there's always something so beautiful in the simplicity of things, you know, to, to be a trainer, a personal trainer, and for a bulk of an hour's session to work on paying attention to your posture, looking at where your breath goes, looking at how you can control that breath, looking at how you can get it to shift. You know, how are you organizing the rest of your body while you're doing this? That in the fitness world would be something that's deemed just asinine. So it's not that world. And so marketing yourself as a person that can get people in touch with breath, awareness, uh, mindfulness, and how you're carrying yourself, it's very counterculture for some weird reason. Welcome to This Thing Called Movement, a podcast exploring our relationship to movement and how it impacts every other facet of our lives. I'm your host, Marie Janicek, movement guide and co-founder of Evolna, an intuitive movement lifestyle company helping people create a more fulfilling relationship to their body and self. Through my experiences in the worlds of dance and fitness, I've always been deeply connected to movement and fascinated by how it shapes us. Join me as I dive into conversations with esteemed professionals from a variety of fields and backgrounds. Together, we'll gain insight into their personal movement experiences, the transformations that resulted, and how movement has affected their lives at large. I hope this podcast inspires and empowers you to create a more authentic relationship with your body as you experience the tremendous ripple effect movement can have on all other facets of your life. New episodes will be released on Friday mornings every other week. In the meantime, enjoy. Gary Stockdale is a kinesiologist functional movement and aquatic specialist based in Thousand Oaks, California. He devotes his practice to helping people change their relationship with their bodies. Gary has a strong and comprehensive understanding of movement foundations, joint mobility, functional gait, and running mechanics. And I'm thrilled to be able to bring Gary back on here for a second conversation. We discussed the impact the coronavirus pandemic has had on us as humans, as fitness professionals, and on the world at large. We dug into the importance of simplicity, the heightened awareness we are all experiencing in body, mind, and society as a result of the virus, and the important distinction between self-sacrifice and service. Gary, thank you so much for coming on with us today. It's so good to have you again. We had you in one of the first episodes of first season a few years ago. And since then, obviously, so much has changed, namely the coronavirus pandemic, which is what we're excited to discuss here today. Let's just go ahead and get started with what's shifted for you. And I know there's probably a long list, so you can just start with whatever comes up first. Yeah, I'm gonna. I think I'll just start from the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Thanks again for having me on here uh, to to have these discussions. I think it's important now more than ever to talk about how to present, you know, practices that align with what humans need most, especially because stress is so abundant and change and everything shifting. And you know, I think last time we had such a, a profound conversation about stress and how that makes people interact with their body and how that distracts them from actually connecting to things. And I've been rattled at some degree in that same way, looking for those connections because everything's stressed out. But as far as what's shifted for me in March, uh, mid-March, obviously when everything struck, we were, my wife and I were laid off from the swim school. I was laid off in March. She was kept on for another a month to work on curriculum and teacher training and the modules that you know, future teachers would use to, to train to become swim instructors, essentially. Um, then the business was approved for the PPP loan, but they were pushing to reopen in June. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? You're <laughs> like, why? Um, <laughs> And there are no forms of protection that limit your ability, like that allow you to create distance between you and a three-year-old and a Mm. four-year-old, especially that don't have any prowess. And my grandmother just turned 90 and I'm in her life actively helping take care of her. My aunt's a diabetic. My wife's family have respiratory issues. So it's not a risk that we were willing to take. And then the swim school fired us. 
Wow. Um, yeah. So after after 15 years of service on both of our ends, just they unceremoniously just gave us the boot and not really well, it's sure. Fascinating, right? Because I've been having a lot of these conversations with friends. Yeah. Um, being in the fitness industry. I think people who are really committed to showing up for people, we've seen fractures within the fitness industry as a whole for a while. You and I talked about this extensively in our first episode. So for the listeners who haven't listened, you should. But there was such a panic happening in so many of these institutions, big and small, and the rush to just go back to normal and just get it back and going, whatever the cost, right? Because of people's fear around their model for making their ends meet and not looking at the bigger things that are at play, not just in context of this virus, but I've been noticing so many amplified problems that were already present for a long time. But now the unique circumstances with lockdown, with everything being pushed into technology, now we're really feeling, seeing, and embodying these factors that have already been in our lives that were already suppressing our well-being. But now we're like in the deep belly of dancing with them, so to speak. I, I understand institutions that are rooted in a location or they have a roof to try to keep over their head or, you know, they're used to having a certain amount of business and they're afraid to lose that business because then they would have to change some behavior. They'd have to start anew. And people are so scared of that idea of rebirth and not being or needing to be the thing that you were before to understand and recognize that you could still change and shift and do something and that could be even better for you and i feel like i've come into that for myself it did because i before all of this i was seeing over a hundred people like literally face to face oh embracing them physical <laughs> contact over a hundred people a week so oh. to, to shift from that to having relationships, literally relationships with most, more of the, most of the people that I, I worked with were under the age of 10. So I like had a you know, somewhat profound role in being an authority figure and a teacher that they respected or that they could look to for guidance, that was a person that they could be, that could be a soundboard for them. And in March, that all just got pulled out of my life. And it's been a source of a lot of inquiry within me and figuring out what I can be to others and how I can be of service in a more broad way. How, how can I refine what it is that I'm doing and how can I reach a broader audience that I can connect with them and help them connect to themselves? So in the absence of the hundred plus people that uh, I had those relationships with, I was just alone with my thoughts. <laughs> you know, and so, wow. and that was like one of the, I think, biggest like kicks in the ass as far as like a reality is concerned, just this, the whole everything fell out, you know, to have that much connection with individuals and then to just not have it at all. Not but to I'm, mention how like that connection with individuals, there's a certain element of all the work that goes into setting yourself up to be that you know, person holding the space for people. Mm -hmm. And and then the second you're not doing that, suddenly you have all this, like you said, space to yourself, which maybe you always wanted. And then suddenly it's there, but it's there in surplus. <laughs> At least for yeah. me, I started COVID when March happened. I was like two months to myself. Like I don't have to be anywhere. I don't have to see anybody. Like I've been wanting this. And I knew it was going to change a lot for me. And I knew there was going to be a lot that I wasn't expecting to change. But it, like I, even I was shocked at the depths of the changes that I found uh, sort of inviting themselves forward for me. Like I know this space to like not be doing as much reminded me just how important it is for me to not be doing so much, like to not get into that role of, of like wanting to help people so much that I lose sight of helping myself because this was the first chance I actually got to do that. But I'm curious if that was something you noticed for you or if, or if this like pull out from under the rug of like hundred plus people you're in connection to sort of disappearing overnight, was that experience more like fruitful or was it more challenging for you? 
Um, a bit of both. I don't think I, I mean, I feel like I, I rose to the occasion and I'm in the process of working on things that I haven't been able to work on, but there are things I wanted to mature and bring to fruition that in the hundred plus people that I was working with, I, I couldn't necessarily do that. So, mm-hmm. um, and the, it kind of really highlighted how much I was doing not just for others, because like I worked under an institution in an institution that I those people came to that institution, understanding that it was a place where people taught swimming. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, over the course of 15 years, my wife and I gained notoriety where our names are synonymous with the establishment. And that I, I, I came to the realization of how much I was actually giving to the institution. And I was comfortable at a certain point in time uh, giving to that institution because I had such that close personal relationship with all of the families and all of the children that I worked with because I could directly see how my service was impacting the lives of these families and how I was offering them and, and generating something within their family that brought harmony, more mm-hmm. harmony than, than that was before. And But in the process of that, my time, you know, and that's another thing that really stands out to me is that like the worth and the value of my time. And now that it's entirely mine and I can give it wherever I want to, I'm a lot more discerning with what I give it to as far as my business and what what I'm offering to the, the world, you know, whereas I was literally, you know, not to go too into depth with it, but capitalism's a motherfucker. Um, and so... Uh, <laughs> It is. <laughs> I, was, I was literally making like the more reputable, reputable establishment. I was literally making less than 20% of the revenue that I was bringing in. Ooh. So that bit and just really honoring myself and not accepting to have my time be less valuable than I understand it to be, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's been something that's been you know profound for me as far as like an awakening and that th- th- this kind of jarring reality is concerned, just this, the whole everything fell out to have that much connection with individuals and then to just not have it at all. Um, yeah. And then being able to work with whatever comes, you know, mm. like a mantra I've been like reciting to myself is just one of adaptation and gratitude. Uh, mm. What else can you do? Right. Yeah. Well, I am curious, what have you been doing movement-wise during this time? I, I think it's sort of been an interesting challenge, like being somebody of service, trying to figure out how to cater that to others. But then what are you, what have you been doing for yourself? I've been happy sleeping more. <laughs> but as far as my movement practice, I've been, it's been forced to be more creative with certain things because pools haven't been open. And I'm, my mother, like she lives close to us and... She has a pool, but it's like a backyard pool. So I've actually set up a rig where I had a a belt from a parachute for a swimming parachute that I was using before. I hooked that up to a bunch of resistance bands and linked it up to a heavy table in my mom's backyard and literally just created like an an endless pool where I have this resistance band strapped to me and I'm swimming in place like a treadmill. (laughs) (laughs) And it's been some of the most fun I've had, like, in my entire life. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, are you recording yourself doing this at all? Sometimes, yeah. I have a few videos. And I haven't really been posting a whole lot on Instagram. <laughs> um, just because the whole world is on fire. Oh, I know. <laughs> and, I know. You know, it's just, yeah. I, I definitely plan on bringing it back to that forum. But like I said, I've been devoting so much time to my writing. And to essentially what I've been doing is um, writing... Uh, curriculum, movement curriculum that sets up piece by piece foundation training that leads to healthier locomotion, locomotive traits and gate, like powerful gate dynamics. Mm. Um, I don't necessarily need to be the voice. I can teach teachers to do these sorts of things and it can be done at a distance too. But for, for my practice, it's been running and swimming. And I'm lucky Mm. to have that opportunity where I can just hook myself up and go for a swim. But then running, I've just been exploring my town, just going all over the place. Oh, I love that you got creative with it. When we see a challenge, instead of seeing it as an obstacle, seeing it as an opportunity to discover something new and to not immediately see the void of what you've always done as your reason to like not try at all. 
What it, did you notice happen with your clientele? I actually hadn't really done a whole lot of work remotely uh-huh. up until this time. So it just thrust me into it and tested the efficacy of my eye and my words. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. <laughs> but I've been actually really excited to see how through really refining foundational uh, movements, patterns, awareness, and being able to present it uh, online in a way that I, I haven't really presented the structure and flow of it this way before. Like all of these things are like, I understand the necessities that a human body should have for mm-hmm. healthy gait and locomotion from the ground up. I understand those relationships and people would come to me as far as the training world is concerned. And they would come to me with certain strengths where they had some of the pieces, but not all the other pieces. So then like, I didn't have to go through the foundation one by one, this by this, I would just go to like jump to step three or something like that. Yeah. And online, this woman in Atlanta trained her for the month of May and she had sciatica um, and had sciatica for a year before this point in time. And through taking her through this curriculum and establishing these healthy foundations as I understand them, within the uh, little bit over a month, we were able to diminish her sciatica symptoms and now she doesn't have them anymore. It's been really cool to like have that effect from afar. I am briefly interrupting this interview to announce that we are thrilled to be launching our on-demand movement and meditation app in a few short weeks. Here you'll have direct access to all of the intuitive movement practices, flows, and insights designed to help you become the expert of your body while creating a more fulfilling relationship with yourself. Sign up through our link in the show notes to be the first to receive a special discount code when the app goes live. Now, back to the interview. Yeah. You know what you mentioned about the foundational stuff? I've been noticing that like right away. Lockdown happened and most of my clientele are panicked and stressed. You know, most of them evacuated the city and then even those that didn't. It was interesting having been on this certain trajectory with people and having to like start at ground zero and really be at ground zero with people for a long time until like anything was starting to budge. We were being asked of so much psychologically, emotionally, mentally, and our bodies, of course, we're going to have a response to that. But there's so much beauty in coming back to those foundations and really taking ownership of them. I had this once in a lifetime moment with people I've worked with for years, you know, who never really wanted to slow down enough to witness their breath or witness how they plug into the ground. And then to really be able to see it happen, even through the screen for the first time, I had so many really wonderful eureka moments, again, in this unexpected level of just foundations. There's always something so beautiful in the simplicity of things, you know, to to be a trainer, a personal trainer, and for a bulk of an hour's session to work on paying attention to your posture, looking at where your breath goes, looking at how you can control that breath, looking at how you can get it to shift. You know, how are you organizing the rest of your body while you're doing this? That in the fitness world would be something that's deemed just asinine. So it's not that world. And so marketing yourself as a person that can get people in touch with breath, awareness, uh, mindfulness, and how you're carrying yourself, it's very counterculture for some weird reason. All of this being, well, breath being incredibly important in the time of Corona. Um, <laughs> not to be too dark about it. Uh, I think breath training is maybe something that is uh, getting a little bit more mainstream just because of respiratory issues and needing to maintain certain features of respiratory health. I saw a meme every eight minutes. I'm asking myself, do I have Corona or is this what it feels like to have a throat? You know, just like... <laughs> People not really checking in with themselves and not knowing what their body's actually feeling like or what it should feel like or, you know, what does it feel like when I'm on like a normal day? What does it feel like when I'm tired? To actually be able to check in with yourself on a number of different levels, you know, so that's been something that's really interesting about all this too. Yeah, it's been fascinating for me speaking about Corona because this ties into so much outside of just our health and our bodies, like it's changed everything. But even watching 
the news and the information around the virus and proper safety precautions around the virus, like this whole thing with the masks that blew up a few weeks ago, right? Mm -hmm. Like other unhealthy and it's, well, yeah, they're not great. They provide resistance, but that's not the problem. That's not why people are actually having issues. The issues are like a longer seated problem of people having really shitty breath mechanics forever and Mm -hmm. just not having the circumstances point them to it as much right but now that we can't just like go outside whenever we want and now that when we go outside we have to add this resistance for the sake of our safety and others given that there's so much we don't know it's very easy to look at the mask and be like you're the problem like this is making me unhealthy actually it's highlighting a level of malfunction that's already been in play that you just never would have noticed had it not been for this piece of cloth. I I always envision when people are like pointing a finger and yelling, the person they're actually yelling at is just themselves. It's not about the circumstance. It's about your reaction and your relationship to what's happening right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's been, I think, the most fascinating part about all of this is having this space to myself, right? And only seeing people when I chose to through like electronic means. I had so much opportunity to actually face off with that finger pointing thing, right? And this is something I already actively do. But every time I was having a resurgence of any sort of negative emotion, I was winding that finger back at myself. It was a really intense time to see how often I would project my own upset on other circumstances and people. This was like a big theme. And learning to unwind that was such a powerful opportunity for me. And I still am and I will continue to be. But it's interesting to watch it at play in the mass media in ways I don't think we've really ever seen before. And then also see people in relationship with it on their own, some weathering those waters a little more fluidly than others. Yeah, it's just our relationship with ourselves being comfortable by ourselves, and also our relationship to the things that we can't control have been heavily tested amongst like all of the 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 wild wildness going on just the media like you said and just all of the misinformation in the scientific world you can literally find evidence to support whatever you're trying to say and you can find evidence to deny what you're trying to say as well but it's the context that is often overlooked and that's another thing just before jumping to conclusions about anything, not just COVID or your movement practice or what have you, like look into it and spend a little bit more time digesting. Don't rush to judgment. Don't look for quick fixes. Take a moment, take a beat, step back, look at the landscape, see what's going on, and then make a decision from there. You know, I I think the way that we've been stressed and change and all of these, these different edits to our way of life is unsettling for a lot of people. Every single thing trying to pull your focus in a different direction. So like, just take a step back. I'm gonna do me. I'm gonna check out what's going on in my life and see what my path should be as it pertains to all of these things. Yeah. It's so like counter intuitive with how all this information is coming into our systems right? The screaming nature (laughs) of all the news, all the change that's been happening, not just around Corona, but now the socioeconomic, the cultural landscape of this country with the Black Lives Matter movement. Every time something's been shifting, it's been coming in with this really amplified and high intensity scream (laughs) of emotion. And I think when you're by yourself or you're sequestered in your home and you're having to be with all that. That's been a real challenge too. Unless you'd already been practicing this before, this was like getting thrown into the ocean before <laughs> learning how to swim. Yeah, I, obviously I like that analogy too. This is, is what it's really exposed is that we don't have an adequate grip or an understanding on our thoughts. There's so much in our world that we don't really recognize. Like you talked about the Black Lives Matter movement and just having all of this extra time, like literally everybody having all this extra time, have no reason to not understand what that struggle is about. This has been a humbling experience for the bulk of humanity, I, I would imagine, in having their worlds rocked and resettled and coming out of it 
what exactly of the old world do we want to endure and what will we no longer abide by, you know, as far as like codes of conduct and how we treat each other. I've been doing a lot of thinking about service as of late, just because I used to be so heavily involved in it and almost to a perverse degree of how much I was bleeding out and who I was giving to. Was I truly offering my best self to them or was I overly stressed because I feel like everybody who's in the service world can suffer from a bit of martyrdom just because that's kind of part of the way we do things. And to be able to shift out of that and to, to just really, you know, recognize and honor what it is to be in service and who, who your community is and who's like on the fringes of the community, who, who is that society or who's that group or that town, who, who is it inclusive to, who is being uh, left aside and is that okay? And generally the answer is no. I feel like a lot of what people are going through with all of this is a, you know, a survivalist instinct where people are shielding from others and people, others feel like uh, they could literally be your end at some degree. Yeah. You're vulnerable to disease or what have you, if you're, you're, you have a poor immunity. So there's that aspect of it, but Still, there's that push where people are retreating into a survivalist mentality, but it's also refined for me the idea of community and how to foster more community and how to like make that a more vibrant thing and try to see how I can bring myself more broadly to the people that don't necessarily have access to access or like monetary funds to go to a, this uh, a prestigious swim school in Thousand Oaks. We've been conditioned that success of any kind, whether it's financial, business, or even service related is through self-sacrifice. Like talk about capitalism. The whole model is about self-sacrifice. And it's also a lot of like subversive extortion. It's a lot of manipulation. It's a lot of subjugation. So when you're looking and examining within yourself, like how often, even if it's been from an altruistic perspective, like really for the betterment of humanity, at a certain point, if you are self-sacrificing to get there, how good are you? Like you said, like, were you really at your best in that moment? And that was a big thing that got touched off for me, especially got amplified with the Black Lives Matter movement. It really shook me to my core to take that time that I had and self-examine on every single level I possibly could. And it wasn't comfortable. It was like very, very disorienting, you know, as somebody who had always seen myself as of service and like also knowing my relationship to my self-sacrifice and that knowing I was trying to mend that being in the process of trying to be as whole within myself as I could be. And then watching this upheaval come forth and really trying to, understand and discern the elements of white privilege at play that maybe I'd been blind to was a really tough phase, you know, and I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful it happened under the conditions it did. I think in many ways, these conditions were necessary. And I think for me personally, that's been something I've been really looking to unwind for myself and figure out how to demonstrate and educate others on. How do you bring that to light then? I've been very curious about like how my work affects this bigger equation. What do I have connection to so strongly that I know unwaveringly is able to exact the change I want to see? And for me, it always comes down to like the basic principles I talk about all the time, which is always coming to yourself for the answers rather than relying on the external circumstances and people. And I think it's very easy for all of us to look at the systems and the people for the answers as orientation points for how to decide who we are, rather than instead perhaps let this illusion just be an illusion for a moment and step back into what's true for me, what's real for me. And to make that the place that you connect to more often, more frequently with more trust, rather than looking on the outside, rather than waiting for the media outlet to tell you what's going on, rather than relying on somebody's validation of you to tell you're on point, right? Or so, even like a professional to tell you're doing good. And this is the hardest space is to like, 
always come back to here for the answers. And I know this is a very meta answer because it does, for me, it does, it applies to like really everything. I even think when you're internalizing all these despairing messages, uh, whether it's about coronavirus, whether it's about our politics or whatever it might be, I think taking the time to look at all of it and process all of your emotions around all of it, sit with your discomfort. Why did that feel triggering? Have that conversation with yourself. That's the process of using you as your basis for guidance rather than the outside world. And I think we're we see this, right? It's a very reactionary uh, relationship we have to our emotions and ourselves rather than a responsive one. Yeah, that idea of being pulled into something else or drawn into someone else's way of thinking where if you're following someone else's story or you're falling into their narrative, you can't really get a beat on how you feel about the matter, where you're coming from, what is it that I do that may be contributing to this thing. I think that's like a, the biggest thing that I've been doing is just that a heightened degree of inquiry into are my behaviors creating a reality for others that is inclusive or is it something that separates and draws a line that says these people can and these people can't or my codes of conduct and my behavior things that again are are they things that shut people off or open up a door i think that's been one of the biggest things that in light of the recent circumstances and political leanings and ideologies about the disease or what have you like am i doing something that helps lift up or am i taking away from it because throwing stones at some point in time only goes so far and it's about making the, the next appropriate steps and building something back up that's always how i've approached things is where can i be in service of the betterment so there's for me and this is my truth this isn't true of everyone like for me there's a le there's a level of recognizing a problem, right? But at a certain point, entrenching myself further in the problem, I feel a distinct difference where it's not necessarily generating the solution that I want. So how can I find that balance of allowing myself to really see and witness and experience the problem when it arises, but then to know the moment where where I've learned enough of all this stuff that's in here to start moving forward. And it's not always clear, right? There, There's like a shift along the spectrum and that's like the fluidity of life. That's the magic of it. But yeah, to, when you have that recognition of a problem to instead allow yourself the space, well, what would the solution feel like? What does that look like to me? Like how would that resonate and feel good and feel like, aha, resolution has come about? And then to start positioning more focus there so you can generate the inspiration and the ideas and those little light bulb moments that allow trickles of that to feed into your awareness. Actually, that was like sort of a perfect segue into one of my questions okay. I had for you, which is what opportunities do you see rising as a result of the pandemic. And this can be for you. It can be opportunities you see for the greater whole, you know, or for specific people, groups, institutions. Yeah. Um, I've been like thinking a lot about that in, in a couple of different avenues. One in like in the, the health world, this shift of recognizing what it is to have like good metabolic health. Um, as, as an individual and what it is to have good immunity. I, by virtue of working with kids, hundreds of kids a week, getting spit on and sneezed on and what have you, I, I developed some pretty good immunity back in the day. Like I don't have that now. So I, I was like well entrenched in the herd and was able to benefit from the herd immunity of sorts then. But I also have health practices that I participate in to make sure that I'm as strong of a me as I can be with the media circulating around how COVID uh, has a more profound effect on those with lesser metabolic characteristics. Your diabetics, people with asthma and respiratory issues who aren't necessarily paying attention to their health, people who eat these high sugar diets, high processed foods, and just really illuminating that aspect of it. I, I truly hope 
that this health pandemic gets people to pay more attention to health more broadly and and makes people ask questions about what it is that they can do just on a day-to-day basis that helps more adequately regulate their body and makes them more in tune with that. So on the health front, I hope this is a push or at least nudges us in the direction of creating healthier, sustainable practices within ourselves on a global shift. The point of the Black Lives Matter movement, whatever your feelings about it are, I I know people are talking about how the leaders of it have communist agendas and communist leaning and coming from a household that communism did a number on, being a Cuban-American, first generation here. I have a whole story that my family had to go through that was not one that was something that communism did something good for them. Like we lost an aunt in the process of moving over here. My family had were well-to-do and hardworking individuals and communism upended their life. They were pretty well taken care of and they were relegated to a world where they had to wait in line for food rations. You know, and they wouldn't always eat. Like my uncle told me the story. I asked him a little while back about what were some of his favorite foods that he ate when he was growing up in Cuba. And he told me the story. Like, yeah, this one time I, I saw some beans in the street and there were like a trail of them. And the beans were dropping out of a, a hole in a bag on a truck. So I followed the, the trail for a couple of miles and we had beans for dinner that night. So like communism isn't always great, but the idea of understanding that we are a collective and recognizing that and that you can't deny it. So at some level, every society is a communist society just because we're all taking care of each other. We're all on the same planet together. So with this added focus on the inequity that is in the world, at some point in time, like we're standing up for the unjust treatment of others. And that's something that does happen in the world outright. But hopefully this shift and this time and this attention provides us an opportunity to maybe halt the warring state of man and to like really actually see that we are all intertwined. I mean, if anything, the pandemic is a a very adequate representation of the fact how one person can change the lives of the rest of the world. Is by eating some fucking bad. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know, like I can't help but be fascinated by the poetic synchronicity of this virus in so many ways. Like it's all these things you mentioned is like how it look how it even attacks our health, right? Which where does it position our focus into like where the actual bedrock and foundation of our health lies? So it's allowed us to finally take a little time to find importance and connection to this foundation that we've been completely disregarding, that we've been completely misusing in an effort to just jumpstart into a certain aesthetic look for some perceived feeling of strength and happiness. And then that also it continues to ripple out where, you know, these things we took for granted, like being able to be outside are are not accessible to us anymore. It's allowed us to see just how much we've been abusing our planet. It's allowed us to see how much we've been abusing ourselves and one another. There's just part of me that looks at this virus and whatever it might be with all the different theories out there, I just can't help but think it's so perfectly positioning our awareness into the places it needed to be. And even what you're talking about with governments, like my parents also came from a communist system. They were political refugees in the 1980s and and left behind everything, their families, their jobs, like all their security to come to this country. And their experience of communism is a little different. Back in Czechoslovakia, everybody ate, everybody had health care, everybody had education, but you didn't have freedom of speech. And so like a conversation I've been having with them a lot is it's easy to care about something like free speech when all your baseline needs are met. Like you can be idealistic, but their experience has been in this country, the baseline needs are not met. It's every man out for themselves. And the way the system is set up is it's all about pushing certain people down for your own uplevelment and not respecting the community. I mean, when I look at our political system, it's not about people, it's about individuals. And so, yeah, you can badmouth communism, but I think we're in an era where we're looking to find a way to bridge these 
two worlds together. And that means finding a new system. That means reimagining our world outside of what we know. So it's not about, oh, look at what communism did. It was bad and flawed in all these ways. That's fine. But let's look at what was it aspiring to do? What was it? What were some of the core values? And knowing what we know now, hindsight being 2020, and like in these new circumstances, it's like Einstein said, you can only solve a problem from a greater mind than the mind of the solution from where it was created. So it means foraging into this unknown space of something that's never been done or conceived before. Yeah. And, but to also do it with a certain sense of ideal where that's essentially what communism, when it, it's on paper, it looks real good. But yeah, so to take both worlds, like you said, to have something that's both inclusive for the collective that doesn't subvert the individual is the ideal that all voices are heard. There are some voices that are more valuable than others as it pertains to certain contexts as far as education is concerned, because how else do we learn things? You know, because that's the part of like capitalism and that personal ingenuity that makes sense is that there are people who devote their lives to certain things, like maybe their voice shouldn't be spoken over when it comes to that particular thing. Maybe we should look to them as entities that are you know, just that you don't just shut them down because the group wants this, you know, mm. so there's there has to be a way to both honor the group and the individual. And that's essentially what we're looking for, because it's this Western Eastern culture clash. It's this individualistic versus collectivistic mentality. And there's obviously some beautiful hybrid within that. I'm not sure how that reality comes to light. I'm not sure if. I'm less cynical now after <laughs> everything's been going on. It feels that way. I'm not the prick I used to be <laughs> um, when it comes to seeing people and their code of conduct and me making space for others and, and the such. But, you know, I used to think that the kind of change that the world needed would only happen with something catastrophic taking place that made us shift to a place where we had to understand that we were all one and we need to take care of each other. We need to take care of the planet. We need to develop systems of government that really truly respect and honor human life in all forms. This is that. I'm not sure if this pandemic is the thing that jumpstarts the quote unquote revolution. I, I think there are things shifting though, like you said, obviously it's palpable. But yeah, I'm not, like I said, I'm not sure how that comes to light, how that comes to fruition, but through conversations like this, I guess, as a starting point. Well, and I think even more and more people having the desire for change is such an important part. And like you mentioned, like we want a system where people's expertise and their mastery and their passion gets to be highlighted in the opportunities when it's needed. And and so for me, it's always resonated strongly that by following what I'm passionate about and allowing that to be where most of my focus is, like that is in fact the service I'm looking to give. And I desire to change how we treat everybody on this planet, humans and animals and plants alike. And my desire is kickstarting things, right? And the best I can do is lean into where my mastery is, where my education is, where I've really refined my skill sets and be of service there and trust that my desire for wanting something different is showing up in the hearts and minds of those equipped to do something with it. Yeah, this brings to mind a conversation we had, however long ago that was feels, but we had the discussion of being the person that brings others with. You tie people to you as you're mining and getting the dirt out of the way, throwing rocks aside and bringing others to the light, so to speak. And that's kind of paralleled the, the conversation we were just having there too, is just that's the way the world gets better is from people following their passions and wanting other to experience the joy that having that awareness yields. So mm -hmm. I think that definitely makes sense for what both of us are doing, but granted, we're both movers and mover movers, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like we're seeing movements been challenged in such a new way, right? Like people's baselines for 
how they gathered their sense of connection to their body and their health have been completely destabilized. And people like you and me who've already lived this life for longer, trying to be unconventional and be more discerning about what, what is really true and like being in these modes of simplicity for a while, the shift hasn't felt the ground getting pulled under us in that way. But for many people, it has. And I know we have similar relationship to this thought of everything being connected. So while you're pulling on this one part of the web, the whole thing is is reverberating in response. Yeah, no, definitely. Fascia has a way of making you think of the way the world's connected too. You know, um, not going to be so lofty with a butterfly effect conversation, but that's not untrue. <laughs> yeah. And that, that goes for positive and negative characteristics alike. And there's been at, at the beginning of everything with stress being so high, there's just always been so much hostility when people are scared and when people are you know, worried about their world. And I, at least in my town, I've been seeing that subdue a bit. You know, you can see people just talking about, it's like, oh, I'm still smiling even though I'm wearing the mask, you know, just like, great. Cool. Yeah, no, I get it too. Like, <laughs> like I guess it worked out for me because I have like smiley eyes. So like people can actually see what I'm feeling, but yeah, there was that hostility initially, but I think the world may be, and maybe that's again, that optimist in me warming to the idea of just truly honoring what it is to, to take care of yourself because you are not just your own person, but to elevate your life and take care of yourself to a degree because others rely on you, not just because they rely on you personally because you're in service to them, but like my immunity is your immunity. Taking care of myself means that I'm not dangerous to you, means that I could potentially be beneficial for you. And that's another thing too that I've been really digging into is it's, it's not just us that are in service. Like everybody, literally everybody in the planet is in service to everybody in the planet. And it's the moments where, you know, you deny that reality and you go into the ego and you go into the self and you're only coming from that place of I need to protect me, right? And not realizing mm -hmm. that you are responsible to the world and not just your family or your friends or what have you, but the circles of influence that, that revolve around them. And it's just this spider web, literally a spider web of connection that you taking care of yourself is not simply a selfish act. It's something that's helping build up the resiliency of the collective. By taking care of yourself, you take care of everyone. Yeah. And it's something so beautiful about that idea too, just because when you have that vibrancy and you, and like you make sure that you're taken care of and you maybe have something to offer to the world or just in a presence or just in a smile and just the ability to change somebody's world like that, it, you can really see how that light from within lights up others as well. Yeah. And it's, it's that concept of what real abundance is. It's overflow, right? And that's why it's so fascinating to me and why I brought up this concept of self-sacrifice is I think we've always been taught that you have to pour your water out of your glass when it's not even full. And, and really what you want to be doing is figure out how to continue filling it. So it's spilling over so that even that light you're talking about, that effect, that domino cascade of betterment and prosperity and upliftment is happening so naturally and organically. It's not even forced, right? rather than having to come at cost. And I think we're seeing all the ways where our thinking of always this for that and the cost has has filtered into every piece of our existence, not and like how we treat ourselves, which then reflects out into how we treat one another, the systems we create, the businesses we build, the relationships we're fostering, all of that. Yeah. That's another thing, because in conjunction with me doing more online training, I've also been, I have a number of different families that I take care of. And I say families just because there's multiple family members that I've been working with. And I've been able, lucky enough that they have backyards where I can keep my space and still guide them through some things. But for them, it's been this really interesting social thing where it's just like, it's a human, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Where, you know, we get to have that social dynamic amongst like a world that's suffering socially or at some degree, suffering's a choice at some point in time, I think. So I, I've been able to see them and help them. And really, I, I honor them because I can see my community. I can see mm -hmm. the, my personal close community that I help 
take care of them and with the thing that I can give them. And they help take care of me with the thing that they can give me. I have a melon sitting on my table that I didn't have last week because I got to see some of the people that I'm in service to and they they care about me enough to give me food and take care of me somewhat financially amongst the the group of them. So I hope more of the world gets to be a part of other people's lives in a way that's more profound after all of this and just honors what it is to be there for others and, and connect to others more than capitalism told them to in the first place. Well, I think the first thing that sort of came up for me as you were sharing that, you know, like we're learning how to appreciate ourselves and we're learning how to appreciate our bodies, but we're also learning how to appreciate what it means to be next to other bodies. Like the profound exchange that that really is to be in the presence of somebody physically and to have real appreciation for what physicality really even means and the beauty it offers, the opportunity, the connection that happens in all these hidden ways that maybe we're taking for granted beforehand. Oh my God. Yeah. And I'm such a physical person. I'm not like, I'm, I'm sure you are too, but my hugs are strong ones. You know, I communicate physically a lot through touch. You know, I used to, I mean, being in the movement world, there's a significant amount of touch that's involved with it. You know, I, I definitely agree with you that is being highlighted in the relationship to that and that close personal proximity in conjunction with touch is, yeah, I mean, you see people talking about it all the time. It's like, when I get out of this, I'm going to hug the fuck out of all you guys, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like that meme of those little kids running to each other right everyone was like oh me and my best friend after quarantine (laughs) five months later we're still waiting (laughs) (laughs) well gary this has been such a beautiful conversation and i i just had so many wonderful aha moments listening to you speak and listening to your insights and your wisdom here. And on that note, as we wrap up today's interview, as I'm sure we'll have more, what would you like to leave the audience with in terms of any final thoughts, shares? I think just recognizing that both the blessing and the curse are opportunities to shift and that It is bold and unwise to assume how things are going to work out, but the adventure of life is just learning how to adapt, and just the fact that you are alive is something to be grateful for, regardless of how that life is currently taking shape or where it's going to take shape, and that hopefully we can all honor that and uh, proceed forward into a world that's better than the, the one we started with. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, appreciate you, man. Happy to be a part of it. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in with us today. You can find contact information and all references made during the show in the show notes. If you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and spread the love by sharing with family and friends. If you want to learn more or would like additional support in your movement relationship, head to our website at evolna.com. Be gentle, be generous, and be good to yourself. And have a beautiful day.